Welcome to the Heart of a Man podcast. We're a movement of men in central Indiana pursuing meaningful friendships, faith, and character. If you'd like to learn more about us, the facility we're building designed for the energizing and growth of men, or would like to financially partner with us in our mission to rebuild the American family one man at a time, please visit us at heartofaman.org. Wanted to tell you about one of the guys in our leadership team here uh, at Heart of a Man. He told his story of having COVID uh, on Saturday. Uh, last year, he was staring at death from a bed in the, in the ICU on a ventilator and in a coma. And the doctors gave him a 10% chance of survival. But unknown to Brad Gilchrist, one of the nurses was praying for him at her home. One night, she had a dream where she saw Jesus put his hands on Brad's lungs and heal him. And incredibly, at exactly that time she was having that dream, Brad woke up from the coma and his lungs had been healed. And when the doctors came in to see him, they were shocked. They were convinced it was a miracle. And when the nurse came in to see him the next morning, she was overjoyed that the miracle she dreamed was not a dream. It was a vision sent by God to confirm what he had done was in fact a miracle. And so she was able to proclaim to everybody the power of God, which explained what the medical staff had in fact seen. Brad is living now in the wake of a powerful movement of God in his life. And he's enjoying this season of gratitude for God's love and his mercy. And Brad, you're here tonight. There's Brad Grail, Chris, guys. Stand up, Brad. Stand up. Stand up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm telling you guys, that's an amazing story, and I hope you grab Brad and let him tell it, because that was really the abbreviated, that was, that was not the, real, the best I could do, that was as good as a guy could do, Brad, but I hope you'll explore that, but the point of that was, look at the impact and how it's affecting him right now. If you go spend time with Brad, you're going to see what I'm saying. He's living in the wake of a blessing, and he knows it, and he's different because of that. Tonight in 2 Samuel 7 through 10, we see David in a season of life similar to that. And I believe every Christian will experience something not quite as dramatic like that, but something like what God allowed David, a time of peace and rest, a time to enjoy the blessings from God. David was, like Brad, profoundly aware of God's intervention in his life, and he used that time, as we see in these chapters, to richly bless numerous people as well as the nation of Israel. We often so talk about how to handle the bad times in our life, don't we? But we very rarely talk about what we do in the good times. And tonight's lesson is about how to handle the good times. My prayer for you tonight is that you'll have a deep desire to be generous, loving, and compassionate when those times of peace and God's blessings show up in your life. Let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you. We ask you your blessing on this room right now, Father. I ask that you silence our phones and our minds from the noise that's keeping us distracted from you. And Lord, don't let my words and actions be a distraction to these men. Let your Holy Spirit overpower whatever I say and convict and and drive these guys to your heart and to your son, Jesus. Walk with us now as we explore these words, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. In 2 Samuel 7, David was at rest in his palace in Jerusalem with no wars to fight and no one trying to kill him. And the Bible says God gave him rest from all his enemies. And men, I truly do believe in my heart that God does provide those seasons of rest for each of us at some time. And although most men that live in this country are not fighting in wars, we know that. We've got to reach for this application and say, what enemies does God give us rest from? 
And I would suggest for most of us, the places where we need a break from doing battle is at work, with people in our lives, and with the demons in our head. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the son of David, wrote these words, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. I know it's hard to understand why God takes us through these times. It seems life would be a lot easier if we could just cycle through a few of those same things every day and allow us to get comfortable just handling a few of them. But it's also true that when we get comfortable, we become far less dependent on God. These seasons or times, as Solomon describes them, they're common to man. And all of us experience the destabilizing nature of changing times. But please find comfort in knowing God does bring a time of peace in your life. He does, you guys, and he will. It'll come. And yes, I know it won't last, but we have to recognize what what we get when God provides it and be thankful. I'm just stepping into one of those seasons of peace right now. And I've cried numerous times this week because I'm so grateful to have a break from the wars I've been in. When was the last time you were at peace with yourself, with your family, and with God? David was at peace in his beautiful palace, and something caused him to think about God. He was feeling more, more this sort of interesting combination of gratitude and possibly a touch of guilt. God was living in a tent, and he was a palace. He'd kind of gotten used to being homeless, and he didn't want God to be there. We're not told what he was thinking, and it's a stretch to conjecture his thoughts. The important point is that we look at our heart in this situation. When peace and prosperity are very real, and you're experiencing that, am I drawn to God, or am I compelled to sign the wind to my own effort? David had a love for God. He wanted to live with God forever, and he did not want God to leave him. Listen to his own words in Psalm 71. For you have been my hope, O sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. Please do not cast me away when I'm old. Don't forsake me when my strength is gone. It's odd, but I know this fear David describes. Because... Both of my parents left it at me at a young age. I've struggled with the fear of being left. I can hear in my own head, I feel so close to you, God, right now. But what happens when you leave? Guys, you're not alone if you fear that God might abandon you. What are you afraid will cause God to leave? When David first heard God's plan for his life, his response was, why me? He, did, he knew he did not deserve those incredible gifts. 
You know, it's logical for David to want to give something back to God, isn't it? When you've been given a gift you don't feel you deserve, you just think, man, I want to give you something back. My sons both love the Lord. They live here in Indy, and we have wonder, they have wonderful wives. I love their wives. <laughs> we have good relationship, and we all enjoy being together. There are many days I wonder why God gave us a healthy family. Many good men who have been really good fathers but have had children walk away from their faith and family struggle with why that's happened to them and why a guy like me would have a good family. I struggle with that as well. I'm incredibly grateful you guys and know my family is a gift from God. And many days I wonder why and ask God how I can repay him. What has God given you that is causing you to feel deeply grateful? David then asked Nathan if he should build a temple for God, and Nathan said, go for it. But based on how quickly God corrected Nathan, he clearly made a mistake. Nathan assumed because God had blessed David that going forward, every decision he would make would be a good one. We too often falsely believe that guys who are successful are always right. More specifically, that guys who are spiritually leading are always right. That's a huge mistake for the person making the assumption and the person being given a hall pass to do whatever they want. Nathan was the guy God sent to check on David's behavior. As we'll see later, Nathan needed to keep a close eye on David, especially in this season of success. Success is a breeding ground for failure. Guys, if you've had a recent win, you are extremely vulnerable to failure. Please ask other men to keep an eye on your decisions. This is not the time, the time to think you are God and that you have all the answers. Pride does indeed set you up for the next fall. What warnings from your friends might you be ignoring right now that you should be seriously considering? The other mistake Nathan made was giving bad advice. As Christians, we can give bad advice. <laughs> Who hasn't? Yes, you do have the Holy Spirit living in you, but, you, but you also have your old nature that you often follow before you check in with God. In fact, most of us check in with God after we screw up, not before. Asking for forgiveness instead of permission sounds like a great idea. And frankly, I've used it a lot. But I can assure you, it leads to a lot of unnecessary pain and suffering. Guys, no man, no one is infallible. God and the Bible are the only inerrant people in the world. So how often do you double-check your advice against God's Word before you throw it out there? There's one reason we give you a lesson to complete before you come to class. Guys, that makes up, that make, that, that make those answers that you bring to the group are good, but when you don't bring them and you're shooting from the hip, a lot of times you're giving us bad information. Be careful with that. It's often better to ask more questions than it is to give answers and then get back to someone with an advice after you've consulted God. God asked David, are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? Clearly a rhetorical question, and the answer was no. In Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 28, God said, David was a warrior and too much bloodshed on his hands. David and Israel would have to wait for Solomon. God chose Solomon to be king and to build the temple. God gives us dreams in our heart, but he decides how they get accomplished. 
Proverbs 16.9 says, In the heart of a man are his dreams, but God determines his steps. God gives a few men visions and dreams about the future. Others are called to execute them, to organize people, and to refine the manifestation of those dreams. We all play a different role. God determines who does what work, not us. It's up to you to discover your role. And quite frankly, the best way you to do that is by trying a lot of different roles and seeking feedback at how you're doing. What's hard at times is discerning which dreams are God's dreams and which are birthed from our own selfish desires. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul describes those that we made up as the ones that will be destroyed by God's testing fire. That's one reason God controls the steps. Our dreams that we carry get burned up in a pit. God's dreams get walked across the finish line by an army of people led by God. My work in Africa for 10 years was shut down with a steady path of failed projects, lost money, and lost time. I know we did some good things, but most of, the, most of those were things we had never planned, you guys. All of my incredible business plans, and they were incredible, failed. Whereas the gospel moments we never anticipated all bore fruit. What dream do you need to let God lead? God did not, want, did not say he didn't want a house. He did want a house. He validated that David's desire was a good desire. It was a good vision. But he makes it clear, David will not build the temple. David fought and killed a lot of men that were the enemies of Israel, and he cleared Judah of all those pagan nations. That was his assignment. And yes, his hands were covered with blood. God's decision was that he did not want a warrior to build his temple. Next week, we'll see David murder an innocent man to hide his own adultery. God also did not want a murderer to build his temple. Instead, God wanted Solomon. God is sovereign, and he will dictate the path of your life. Most of us have no idea what God's plan is for our life. We simply let the events of life control our decisions and our directions. The apostle Paul said, God prepared good works for each person in advance, meaning before we were born. God does have specific work for you. What will you do this week to continue to discover God's plan for you? Now let's look at the incredible covenant God made with David. This is called the Davidic Covenant and is one of the most important texts in the Bible. Here are the key unilateral commitments God made to David. It's not all of them, but I think it's the key ones. He told David he would not build a house for God. David wouldn't. Instead, God would build a house for him. He would give Israel their land as their home. He would bring peace to David from his enemies. He would make David's son the king of his kingdom. And his son would build God's temple, and his son's throne would last forever. First, think about God saying, I will build a home for you. <laughs> These words sank into my heart this week, you guys. I got to tell you, I never cried in a lesson more than I did. I, I just cried constantly in joy. This lesson really moved me. I've been praying about where I should live and building a home. And I can honestly say I could feel the blessing God wanted David to experience. He wanted him to stop wandering all over Judea. He wanted him to have a home. He didn't want him to feel homeless. Man, I truly believe God wants us to enjoy blessings he provides without feeling any guilt. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, 
if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God wanted David to find happiness in his home and in his family and in his country. And God did give David far more than he deserved and far more than he could ever pay back. In the Bible, the word blessed often does mean happy. God truly wants us to experience happiness. Unfortunately, our endless pursuit and obsession with happiness has made Christians feel guilty when God does bless us. I know it's very hard for me. I feel that way at times. Then there are times God pours out his love on us. And there are times he gives lavishly to us and is wanting us to just accept the gift with joy and gratitude, with no guilt and no shame, just happiness. And then he hopes we will not let that gift define who we are and allow ourselves to become arrogant because of what we have. I've recently given gifts to my family as my way of thanking for all the years of hard work together. It would hurt me so much if they said, Dad, I don't want those gifts because they'll make me feel guilty because I didn't deserve them. Guys, when we give gifts to our children, it brings us a ton of joy. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, don't you just love that? You give your kid, your child something and they're smiling. And you're just like, oh, that feels so good. That's what God's talking about in Matthew 7. Jesus is saying, that's what your dad wants for you too. He does. If God wants to give you a gift, can't you just accept it? This week, please try to fully enjoy something you love and just say thank you to God and enjoy it, knowing it was a gift from him. The most significant words in this text are when God promised David the Messiah would come from his family. Abraham was told by God that he would bless the whole world And God also promised the land of Israel to him. He passed those promises through his son Isaac and his grandson Jacob. And then Jacob passed them through his son Judah. Judah passed them through his family to David. In this text, God is making the exact same promise to David through Solomon. Mary, the mother of Jesus, came from the line of Solomon. And then an angel comes to Mary in the Gospel of Luke and says, you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. And he will be given the throne of his father, David. And he will reign forever, and his kingdom will have no end. God's promise to all those people has been fulfilled in Jesus. This covenant with Abraham is fulfilling God's promise that all who believe in Jesus will be saved and live forever. Wow, it's just hard to look at all of that and say that all happened. You just don't even believe it. No other religion in the world can make these claims, you guys. No other religion. The history of covenants is a powerful proof of the divinity of Jesus. Guys, the man you are following is the one true God. It was very emotional for me as I went back and I read each of these covenants God made to these faithful believers And for some reason, I never connected them all. But when I got to that one with Mary and I stopped and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what he told her. And it ties us all back to to Father Abraham. We're all connected. It just blew my mind. It was one of the first times I felt that deep sense of God's love for me and my connection 
to the Old Testament, I was just like, wow, I'm, those are my people. I'm connected to them. I mean, I don't know if you guys had never grown up without a family or you feel disconnected to your family. This made me feel like I had a family. I don't know for about you, but that was emotional for me. You know, the greatest honor for a Jewish man was to have the Messiah come from his line. David was told he would receive that honor. He was so overtaken with joy he could hardly speak. When you feel the blessing of God in your life, there are times when you just sit and stare and wonder why. Man, God is doing this exact work he did through David in your life as well. It's exactly the same. God is working through you by passing his redemptive promise through you to your friends, family, and coworkers. David praised God in this moment, but he also wrote dozens of songs praising God that he taught to his people so they would know without a doubt the source of David's blessing. When you share the gospel and disciple others, you are living out these covenants. How you value the gift can be reflected in what you do or what you don't do. So how often do you share the gospel with others because of your sense of being part of this deep heritage of believers? Because it's what your family does. Then David acknowledged the importance of the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel matters to God as much as David matters to God. And God makes it very clear that the nation of Israel was chosen by him to bring forth the Messiah and through him the salvation to the world. A remnant of Jews will be saved along with everyone who believes in Jesus. In Romans 11, Paul teaches that we will be grafted like olive branches into the original olive tree of Israel as God's chosen people. Gentlemen, we deeply value Israel because they are God's chosen people. All of us, along with a remnant of Jews, will be the church, the bride of Christ, who will be resurrected to rule and reign over the new heaven and the new earth when Jesus returns. There has been a hatred of the Jewish people since they were chosen by God. And even after thousands of years of many attempts by many nations to destroy the Jewish people, over 11 million of them remain to this day. In 1948, the Jewish people once again became the nation of Israel. The land God had given David that we see tonight was restored to the Jewish people. A leader named David Ben-Gurion brought them all together almost 3,000 years after David united Israel in that very place. That's powerful. David continued to fight battles against his enemies, and God gave him tremendous success. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. David used his hard-found fortunes to bless God's chosen people and to secure that land. David dedicated much of the wealth he accumulated to God. Guys, there are men today doing that very thing. We we read these stories, and we go, there aren't people doing that. You're wrong. There's a lot of Christian men doing exactly that. I'll give you an example. Dave Green. Dave Green is the CEO of Hobby Lobby, the founder of Hobby Lobby. Dave put 100% of his company in a trust with God as the beneficiary, not his children, not his family. That company generates over $3 billion in annual sales. They they have given over $500 million away to missionaries. There are people that are being very generous like David was, and they're still doing that, and they're all over this world. You guys make no mistake, they're there. Man, this challenged my thinking about money, and especially at a time right now where I'm getting paid for my business, I was challenged by what I'm going to do. 
David Green was inspired by his mother, you guys. They grew up dirt, dirt poor. And he said, I remember my mom, when we almost had no food and nothing to eat, would never rob God. She always gave from whatever we had. She never not gave. And that's what told him, that's how you do it. It doesn't matter how much I have. I always give to God and God will give back. That's a powerful story of God's generosity. Men, when you spend time studying the Bible and spend time with other Christians, you're going to be pushed to be generous. And sometimes it will make you feel guilty, and other times you'll be inspired. And I can tell you, the Bible is really clear that we are to be generous. All our wealth belongs to God, no matter how little or how great. It's all His. His promises in Malachi 3 are clear. We are to be generous. And He says, when you're generous, you can't outgive me. I'll open my floodgates, and I'll pour them out on you. You won't need anything, and I'll stop your enemies from taking what I give you. It's powerful. I'm hoping this will encourage you and challenge you to be generous. Money's hard to talk about with men because God gives different amounts to all of us. And at some point, we get jealous of guys that have more than we do. It couldn't be more clear when you watch Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos arguing over who's the richest guy in the world. It's pathetic, isn't it, you guys? But you know what? We're not any different. We get just as jealous and petty as they do. Just because we're Christian doesn't mean we don't feel the same way. Money's hard to talk about. And guess what? There's always a guy that has more than you. How do you feel about the money God has given you to manage? 2 Samuel 8 says David reigned over all Israel, doing what was right and just for all his people. And during those years, David was in a good place emotionally which gave him a desire to want to help the people from Saul's family. He asked a servant named Ziba from Saul's household who needed help. And Ziba told him about Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. David told Ziba to bring him to the palace. Can you guys imagine how that felt to David when he saw that young man? All those years, he and Jonathan were so close. And now he meets his son, and he sees him crippled. I can imagine how David felt. He probably felt so much love for that young man and so much pain as he looked at him hurt and wounded. Years earlier, David had made a covenant with Jonathan that he would watch over his family and would not take out his wrath against his family when he became king, which was common. Now David would fulfill that very promise. He would show love for this boy because of a commitment he had made to his father. He would show love to that boy because of a commitment he had made to his father. That's powerful. David provided land and food for him as well as people to work the land. David also gave him a place to eat at his table for the rest of his life. Jesus treated you this way. God sent someone to share Jesus with you when you were broken, full of sin, and living outside of God's family, isolated and in a desert. God drew you in when you had nothing to give back to God. Out of love for you and because of the promises he made to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David, he has provided all that you need, food for you and your family, a home to keep you safe and warm. God has sent other men to help you, and God has promised you a home in heaven forever. You'll never be alone, and you'll always eat from his table. God works through men like David to reveal his love to us. 
You can read these stories but never truly know how it feels to be loved like that. God sends you and I to show incredible mercy and love toward men who are a total mess. When we are in a place of emotional peace and feeling good, God so hopes your gratitude toward him will be manifested in generosity and love for others because you know that's what you've been given. There will be seasons in your life when you will prosper and you'll be at peace. God is hoping you will use that time well. Brad almost died of COVID. After he woke up, he had a long road to recovery. And during that time, he and his wife decided to pick a Bible verse to help them. They know they needed something to cling to. They found Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Listen to what David wrote 300 years before Isaiah wrote those words. Sustain me according to your promise and I will live. Do not let my hopes be dashed. Uphold me and I will be delivered. The similarity is no coincidence. Isaiah was well versed in these songs from David. Scholars believe that David wrote many of his psalms during this season of peace as he reflected on how God worked in his life. Brad was carried by these words of Isaiah and David written over 2,000 years ago. David is a model for us for how to use our time of peace and prosperity, not just for ourselves, but to love and care for others, not with guilt, but with happiness filling your heart. How will you use your seasons of peace for a greater purpose? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you and we praise you, Jesus. What a glorious story. Lord, I just, I'm overwhelmed with this thought of heaven and you and what this all looks like and how it's going to feel. And it, I felt it through this, Lord. I feel it now. I just overwhelmed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for my brothers, Lord, who we get to journey with. I'm so excited. I look at their eyes and I see their face and I know these are my friends. I'll be with them forever. This is heaven, Lord. So thank you for this glimpse. Thank you for this time. Lord, bless us this week. Help us give generously of our art and our money and our time. In your name I pray. Amen. 